honestly, if there's a magic word, it's not, you know, abracadabra and it's not please and thank you. It's because. This episode of the Unstoppable CEO podcast is sponsored by our referable book program, where we'll create a great lead generating book for you. If you've always wanted to write a book for your business, but never managed to get it done, let us do it for you. To find out if this is a fit for you, schedule a quick 20-minute intro call with me at unstoppableceo.net. Click the book a call button. Now on to the episode. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and today we've got a fantastic interview for you. Uh, This is one that's been uh, on the calendar for a few weeks now. I've been looking forward to the date, and it is finally here. So I hope you get as much out of this as I know I'm going to. I've already got my notebook right here where I can take notes. Uh, Today, I'm talking with uh, Tobin Slavin, and he is one of the founders of bookofexperts.com, where they showcase and spotlight the world of expert-based entrepreneurs like coaches, consultants, authors, speakers, influencers, and agency owners, all the folks that are hanging around here. So uh, so this should be really good. Uh, his new book is entitled Experts Never Chase, and it's coming out uh, here in just a few weeks. We're going to dive into all kinds of things around marketing your expert business. And so, Tobin, I'm excited that uh, that you're here today. Welcome. I don't know which one of us is more excited, Steve, because I've been a fan of yours for a long time. I really appreciate the work that you've done, the the great information that you put out there, because honestly, I've benefited from it. Like I, I was telling you before we jumped on, I have literally notebooks in sections that are, you know, here's a Steve Gordon section where I went through some of your information or your, you have that great um, PDF, the ebook that you put out around podcasting. And I mean, I've just, I've learned a lot from you over the years. So anything I can bring back, I'm happy to do so. Well, thank you. It's very humbling. And uh, I'd love to give everybody just a little bit of context. How'd you get doing what you're doing right now? Yeah, I think uh, the the story I like to tell folks is that uh, I'm kind of like the guy that was uh, playing for the Red Sox and and then left and went to play for the Yankees or vice versa. And if you if you I'm from New England, I grew up in Maine. So if you know what I'm talking about, those two teams hate each other. And if you're a player that goes from one team to the other side, uh, you will never be forgiven for that. And what I mean is that I've been in the digital marketing space for over a dozen years and primarily most of that time, I was an email list builder, an audience builder. And and the game that we played was to push send and push a message out to hundreds of thousands of people uh, and make a lot of money doing it. Uh, And it was a lot of fun. It was like playing a game. So for example, one of my clients was a nonprofit. Uh, When I started with them, they they were pre-revenue. Like I was with them when, when we were putting the nonprofit together. When I finished up with them as a client, uh, we had grown their email list to 278,000 people. Their Facebook community was 330,000 people. They had nationwide events and they were a $20 million a year organization. And it was that email list was their primary asset because it was the relationships. And so we would do things like we'd send two emails. At at one point, we had two emails that produced a million and a half dollars. And so that was just a really fun place to play in and to learn digital marketing skills and, and, and all these things. I don't regret any of that, but my world today is very different. And here's why. I went from that one-to-many approach to everything that I'm doing these days is one-to-one. It's thinking about the individual that's on the other side of that conversation. And 
some folks out there hearing this and saying, well, of course, like it should be one-to-one. Well, spend a little bit of time on LinkedIn lately and notice what, what kind of messages are showing up in your inbox. Like people are sending those, it looks like a broadcast email. It's, you know, a long message. It's got a link at the bottom. They're talking all about themselves and they just assume you're going to jump on their calendar. And if you have a bleeding neck, I think that's a Perry Marshall reference. If you have a bleeding neck for the thing that they, that they're selling and that, you know, they want to provide to you, you might do that, but it's a very, very small percentage. It might be three out of a thousand people. And what they don't realize is they've, they've damaged their reputation. They've created such a terrible first impression with everybody else that 997 people are probably saying, I would never do business with this person because they treated me like I was a number on their sheet. There was no real relationship there. So everything we're doing these days is conversational, built for the long game of building real relationships. But that doesn't scale. That's what I, I can hear it now. I can hear people thinking, well, wait, that one-on-one stuff, that's a ton of work. How do I, how do I make that happen? Because we get it all the time. I, mean, I, think, I think you and I are really aligned in, in the approach that get, getting to, particularly for experts, getting to that point where you're interacting conversationally and, and one-on-one is really the place where you want to be. But the pushback is always, but I want that automated thing that runs to the webinar that's at the top of the hour. And then people just magically deposit money in my bank account. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. And I've heard that, that same pushback. And I'll tell you something that I learned along the way that really sort of opened my eyes and why I made this, this shift, this transition in, in my own work. Um, but the other thing I would say just from a scaling perspective is one, it depends on how you define what scaling is. Cause you can have a really nice, you know, three, 400, $500,000 business with just that one-to-one outreach alone, like that business development approach of building real relationships. So yes, if you're trying to build seven and eight figure businesses, you probably are going to need the right strategy at the right time. But I think you can do a lot more than people realize and it can be fun and playful. I'm talking, you know, less than an hour a day. Like I do this actively in in our book of experts, you know, with our ambassadors, we teach this relationship first, build, like get to know the other person, figure out where they're at, what do they need? And we're all all the time connecting experts in our community. And um, so I'm teaching this process, but I do the, I do this. I have an hour blocked out on my calendar every single day because I want to keep my skills sharp. I want to know what's going on in the industry when and this is how I got to where I am today because I saw things not working that traditionally have in the marketing space. And I just can't get comfortable with selling something that I didn't have full confidence in. This really getting to know people, it's a little bit slower and from that, you know, might take more time to build that relationship, but I have a lot of confidence that only good things come out of this process because you treat people right all along the way. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, and I think, it's important to understand what type of of problem you're really solving for. You know, if you're building a an expert based practice where you're getting paid for your knowledge and you're you're probably delivering the service in addition to owning the company and doing the marketing and doing the sales and everything else, chances are you're not looking for a thousand clients this year, which means you probably don't need to talk to ten thousand or twenty thousand or fifty thousand people. And so you can, you have the liberty to take this kind of approach and it's actually more effective and more efficient, even though I think for a lot of people, they, they assume that because it's a little more hand-to-hand combat that 
you know, it's more like manual labor and I, oh, I want to do these bigger things that are automatic. Those bigger things that are automatic need so, so much larger scope. You need bigger numbers to make them work because they're so much less efficient. Yeah. I, and I think that, you know, what I've seen in the marketplace, you know, some of our peers that, that are building eight and nine figure businesses, again, it's the right strategy at the right time. So uh, I'll share a framework that, that sort of shook up my world when, when I sort of, I want to say discovered this, or, um, I think, um, this is one of the chapters in the book that's coming out. So, uh, I reference it as the four gears of marketing. And just as you described, everybody saying that they want that automated 24-7, make money as you're sleeping, that, that funnel that's going to work for you. I think a lot of us have heard that and bought into that. And we started going down that road because it's so attractive. Like the, the promised land is so attractive there. And it's not that it doesn't happen. There are people that have reached that promised land. But my personal experience was... I built the funnels. I did what I thought I, I did everything right. And I started, you know, buying ads and paying traffic. And, you know, the, the dream that they sell is pay a dollar and collect two or three back. And I think all of us would make that trade every single day. The problem was my experience was more like pay $5 out and I wasn't collecting any back. And so it was good money going after bad. And it was just kicking, kicking my butt all over the place. And I couldn't sustain it. And I was so frustrated. And here's what I learned. The reason why we call it the four gears of marketing is that when you're cruising down the interstate, you know, and I, I reference this as fourth gear and fourth gear is, you know, the automation, the one to many, the funnel approach. Um, all these things that, that you traditionally hear about in this marketing space. To me, that's fourth gear and life is good. You're cruising down the interstate, the top is down, the tunes are blaring, the wind's in your hair, like life, it feels fun and exciting, but you can't drive your car out of the parking lot in fourth gear. And if you try, you're going to stall. You're just not going to get there. And that's what I experienced firsthand. And maybe some of you have seen this as well. So what we figured out is if you shift into first gear, you can get out of the parking lot. And if you shift into second gear, you can drive down the side street, go into third gear, the engine's building momentum, you're on the on-ramp and you're heading up onto the freeway. You can shift into fourth gear and then you can have that great trip wherever you want to take, wherever you want to go, wherever you want to take your business. So for us, conversational outreach is that first gear. It's the most important gear because it, it's, it's not meant to drive you across country, although you probably could in an un uncomfortable way. And that's why people say it doesn't scale, but it's faster than walking. And it's definitely better than being stalled in the parking lot with no place to go. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think you, you really hit it there. That's, we've got a similar concept. We, we call it the attention getting louder. You start at the bottom with referrals and word of mouth and, and get that working and then sort of work your way up. And the, the thing that I kind of stumbled on along the way the reason that I think businesses have to go through this, this progression is because the vast majority of businesses don't have an offer that differentiates them. That's actually really difficult work. And that, I think when you start talking about going out and, and doing the automation and the, the mass marketing and all that, if you don't have an offer that people look at and they go, wow, that's different and I really want it, then you're going to be dead. You're going to go broke buying ads, $5 with zero return, right? And it's okay. You can still make a heck of a living 
without being differentiated. Because if you do the things like you're talking about, the conversational approach to selling, you know, people are going to hire you because you as an individual are presenting yourself to them and you're different. So they're buying you, they're buying the relationship with you and the feeling that they get from that rather than, you know, the specific thing you're offering. And if you don't perfect that offer in those earlier, in those lower gears, as you're describing it, then you're never going to make it up onto the freeway. Um, and that's okay. I mean, you can, I mean, I, I built a $3 million business doing it that route in my first business. So you can get pretty far doing it that way. You can get pretty far. I think you can have fun with it and you can make some great relationships that will last you a lifetime. And to your point, you might only be one conversation away from breaking it open because that that next conversation, if you treat people right, the, you know, the, the way you'd want to be treated by someone else. And this is part of the problem with marketing is in marketing, we forget that sometimes we, we look at the spreadsheets, we look at our goals, we look at, you know, I have to produce this many sales from this many conversations. When we start focusing on the numbers instead of the people behind the numbers, we forget how we want to be treated because none of us want to be sold. We, we love buying. I, I'm a great buyer. I don't know about you, but that's one of the reasons why I think I'm successful in this space is I pay, really pay attention to the stuff that juices me up, that it makes me excited to buy it. And that's usually a sign that I can help people facilitate their selling of that as well, because we tap into those feelings. On, on this four gear, four gears of marketing, it is, it really is that each gear builds on each other. So the conversations that you have in first gear, you will hear phrases from people. They will describe what you're doing better than you can ever describe it yourself. And the reason why that's true is you are most, I'm assuming this applies to a lot of your audience. You are an expert, you're a subject matter, and, and you're too close to the work. So the fact that you're so gifted at what you do means it might be really hard to, you know, they say, explain it to me like I'm a fifth grader. So when you talk to people who see what you're doing and they see the value and they start describing it, the words they give you, it's like magic because it will attract other people just like them. And the words we use, because we're too close to the work, quite often is like a shield. It, dry, it repels people because they're not where we are. There's a reason why you have that hard one expertise to, to get where you are today. So we talk to them in first gear. In second gear, we create content based on what they're telling us. And we have a sort of formula that we use so that you don't have to create a ton of content because that was also part of my background. I ran a social media marketing agency, a small team, and it kicked the you know what out of me. Like it was just, I felt like I we could never create enough content. I felt like I was uh, Johnny Appleseed walking all over the country with throwing seeds everywhere, hoping the trees were going to grow up and bear fruit, you know, a couple decades later. And that's what, to me, that's what the content marketing or attraction marketing game, you, you're sitting back waiting for people to come to you. But what we found is if you start the conversations first and you only build, you only create like 20% of the content instead of the other 80% that feels like a lot of work, just do the strategic 20%. So you have better conversations you don't have to attract people into your world. You're already talking to them. The con then the content is creating better conversations and you're that much closer to an enrollment, which is really the win for your, the person you're talking to and the win for you. And then for us, thir third gear is your referrals, just as a reference. You talked about it a, a little bit earlier in your process, but we, we do the same thing. We, we think that those collaborations are champions. So we go conversations, content, uh, collaborations, and then we want a lot of clicks in fourth gear. That's when you can 
you can bring back uh, the automation and the funnels and the sort of traditional one-to-many marketing because then you've vetted everything. You've got the right phrasing and the right words and the right positioning. Like everything's already working just like the, your car engine. So when you shift into fourth gear, you're just, you're flying at that point. Yeah, absolutely. It's So it's interesting The here in Florida, I guess they're na- nationwide now, but they started in Florida. Uh, there's a personal injury attorney uh, law firm called Morgan and Morgan. And they, um, I think they started off in Orlando in the 70s or the 80s. And, you know, when you look at them, this is now, I would imagine, a eight to nine, probably a nine figure law firm. I don't know. I mean, got to be one of the highest grossing law firms in the world, if not just in the United States, probably far beyond. And if you look at their growth, they followed that model started off small firm, couple partners, there was a split somewhere in there, you know, worked their way through it, started using media. And now, now that they, you get to sort of that level of momentum, you become hard to catch, but you can't go there first. And so, so how do we start with, with these conversations for somebody that's listening and, you know, maybe they're a solo practice or a small firm and they're doing most of the business development, how do they get started? Um, I'm going to share one of the tips. Uh, this is I'm like extracting one of the secrets out of our training program, but I think this will. I hope this will resonate with folks. Um, and honestly, if it doesn't resonate with you, we're probably not right for each other. Uh, there's different ways of doing this. There are a lot of folks that, for example, run automation on LinkedIn, or they're they're copying and pasting scripts, and I feel like that's a really poor user experience for the person on the other side of the conversation. Uh, but here's one of the things, and, and uh, I've been blessed to be around a lot of really smart people. So I give credit to, to coaches and mentors and folks like yourself, Steve, that I've learned so much from over the years, just really paying attention to what people are doing and what feels right to me and adopting and sort of shaping it in, in my own words. But there's there's this saying in, in the uh, digital marketing space, you've got to bring value. You've got to show up with value. And years ago, I made this mistake. I was uh, living in Maine at the time. I'm, I'm actually down in Florida now, but um, I was living in Maine and there was a local attorney, small, small town attorney, not like, not like the example you shared, but he had bought the back of the yellow pages, had the big, whatever it was, $10,000 ad to own the back cover of the yellow pages. And so I, you know, I was new in the digital marketing space, but had some pretty good skills. Uh, we were doing SEO and stuff. I looked at his website. I saw all these holes in what he was doing and I knew he was spending good money. So I wrote to him and I said, Hey, you know, I was looking at this, you know, did you know if you could do this and you could do this and you could, you know, shore up this hole. And I mean, in hindsight, when I think about it, what an ass I was, right? Because I showed up in his world. He didn't know me from Adam, uh, but I showed up pointing out all the things he was doing wrong. And here was a guy who was spending a lot of money to have what he considered a really good image in town to be the guy that owned the back of the yellow pages. And that's the problem that I see with folks trying to do this lead with value approach, because we show up trying to bring the value and there is true value in it, but it's a terrible way to make a first impression. So what we're doing differently and what's working really well for us, we call it find the awesome we look at the other person that we're, we've met. Maybe it's someone who just showed up in your LinkedIn. You just connected, or maybe you're not even connected yet. Maybe you just saw them in the conversation, in the comments or whatever, and they look really interesting to you for whatever reasons, your, your reasons. When we look at that person, we're trying to identify what is it, what is awesome about this person? What can you find that you can compliment and 
recognize in them and validate the work that they're all already doing. And Steve, you're like an easy example to talk about on this, right? Because you have this body of work that you put together with Unstoppable CEO. I already said this and it was genuine. And, and by the way, that is one of the key parts. It has to come from a real place because they can, people can feel it. You guys can feel it when it's not real, right? But this is what we do. We start by finding the awesome in someone first because it's just a, it makes the world a better place. If this is how you're going to connect, do it this way. And people will be much more receptive to you. Doesn't mean they're going to, you know, roll over and hand you the credit card, but it's a nice way to start relationships. And we go from awesome to curiosity. And, and usually this is, I'm, Hey, I, you know, I saw this and I'm curious uh, about this, that you, you, you described it this way on your LinkedIn profile. I think that you meant this thing. This is the way I read it. Am I right? Like, quite often because we are so close to our work as experts, we don't describe things very well. We, we really are just, we, we don't use it in the terms that other people can quickly load who we are, what we do and why it matters to them. So I'm giving them an opportunity to talk about their favorite subject, which is the work that they do. And they most likely putting years into, into it. And we start the conversation there. I'm not starting it about me. And my only objective at that point in time is one of my partners at Book of Experts calls this friend hunting. And I love that phrase. I want to give her credit. That's Caitlin, Caitlin Domner that came up with that. But it's it matters because that's that should be your agenda. If you're going into it thinking this is my next sale, this is my next client, my next enrollment, and it's going to pay my bills this month or what, it, you know, if we're putting that kind of pressure on ourselves people can feel that in the conversation and they go into the Heisman stance, right? They're going to give you that stiff arm right from the start. But if you're genuinely trying to figure out, is this my kind of person that like, would I want to be friends with this person? Like what's here to really recognize and value in them? They also feel that. And I think it's a much better way to show up in someone's world. Well, you mind if I kind of break down what I heard? You Yeah, please you, do. Just there. Yeah. So I get, I don't know, looking at my LinkedIn today, I have like 27 uh, invitations to connect. And I can almost guarantee that out of those 27, I will go in and ignore 26 of them and I might accept one. And I get people who think they're doing what you just described because I'll get a message that says, uh, hey, Steve, love what you're doing there at the Unstoppable CEO, or it could be worse. It'd be, hey, Steve, I love what you're doing there at the Unstoppable CEO, the, the place for growing, you know, a professional practice or whatever my tagline currently is, right? And you can tell it's mail merged in from a bot, uh, from one of the automation tools, um, you know, or it, if it's not that blatant, it'll just be general, like a generic comment. Hey, I love what you're doing there. What you're talking about is actually looking at something that they've put together, something they've written, a video they've produced, something on their website and consuming it and understanding it and commenting on it specifically. And I will tell you from somebody, I mean, I get half dozen to a dozen connection requests a day. I don't know if that's high or low or, or somewhere in the middle, but most of those people have no chance of connecting with any, with me anymore because I don't need to connect with anybody. I connect with people I want to connect with that are behaving like a human being. If you come to me and say, you know, I read your article on, you know, such and such, or hey, I listened to your interview with Tobin and he said this, what do you think about it? I guarantee you I'm answering that 100% of the time because I know that you're interested, that you're paying attention and you're somebody I actually want to help. 
you know, and I'm going to respond to that. So to me, that's the key distinction that you described. And I want to make sure everybody gets that clearly. Yeah, thank you for clarifying too. So uh, a nuance that I did not share earlier, but builds on what you just said. Um, one of our rules in our, in our, again, I'm kind of extracting from our, our training program, uh, is that message that gets received needs to be 100% understood by the person on the other side. The, the recipient of that message needs to know with 100% confidence that that message was written for them and nobody else. So if you've written it so generically, including these sort of mail merge automation styles, having the name of the podcast is does not count, right? That's that's not what I'm talking about. But your example is a good one because it speaks to the specific conversation that was going on and sort of joining in that conversation. And that is the nerve that we all have when we're out there putting our work out in front of others, which can be a scary thing sometimes because there's there's haters, right? But when someone wants to be part of that conversation, we cater to our audience. We take care of them because we we're, our heart's in it. And so that is a great place. The other thing I would add is um, the conversation does not have to and probably shouldn't start with a connection request. So there are many different places to converse with people before you. In fact, I also don't reach out very often to connect with folks. I'm pretty selective about that. Uh, but when I do, I'm probably getting... 80 to 90% acceptance rates because the person seeing my name and saying, oh, I'm already in, I'm already chatting with them. I'm already conversing with them. In, in some shape or form, they've seen me in several different ways show up in their world wanting to genuinely be part of the, a real conversation. And so it's a natural extension. Of course, I'm going to connect with this person because I, I met them on Facebook and I started we started conversing in the comments there. I met them on LinkedIn in the comments. Um, I followed them a week ago and they saw my name show up that way. So they're there. I signed up for their newsletter and, and I'm just showing up in, in different ways that show some real genuine interest again, around this idea of having a real conversation and not just trying to push an agenda. So you mentioned kind of the second piece of this is to have curiosity about the other person. This sounds an awful lot like uh Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, right? The, the best way to be interesting is to be interested. And I, I think that goes a long way as well. I mean, the, a lot of this stuff is just taking what we know works in kind of a one-on-one -on -one or, you know, a networking situation. And I always kind of go back to that. I used to, I mean, I built our first business just on community networking, you know, going out, meeting people, going to the Chamber of Commerce, going to the charity events, and all of that. And I was, I was really bad at it at first. Cause I'm, you know, probably naturally a little bit introverted. Um, I was always the youngest guy in the room at the time and it was a little intimidating. And I, it finally clicked that if I just went around asking people questions about themselves, that I didn't have to do much talking and I didn't have to be very smart either. I just needed to have whatever the next question was. And half the time, the next question was, Oh, well, that's really interesting. Tell me more about that. You know, and so I think people get worried online. I hear this from a lot of professionals. They get so worried about reaching out and appearing to be pushy or saying the wrong thing. You know, they just worry a lot about it. Do you run across that with folks you're working with ever? So I definitely see it from others, but what you described was my experiences as well, uh, a feeling really out of my element. I'm I'm also introverted by nature. Those networking events were hard. I mean, I was terrible at it, particularly in person. I'm a, I'm a little bit more comfortable online. I think I've found my voice a little bit more in the online space, 
but it's not so much online, offline as much as I have benefited from having really good coaches and mentors around me. Sometimes the bridge words can make all the difference in the world. And, and I'll give you an example. And I've heard this from my friends as well. When, when someone shows up in your world and they, they're trying to show that curiosity, genuine curiosity, and they might say, so Steve, uh, you know, uh, you're doing all this awesome work. Why did, why did you get into this coaching and business development work in the first place? There's a little voice in our heads for the person that just was asked this question that's saying, why am I having this conversation? Like, first of all, I have a website that kind of tells who I am and why I do, you know, there's information if they had done their research, some of that's out there. But it's also like, if you're stuck on an elevator, like the elevator breaks and you're going to spend 20 minutes together while they're like, let's have that conversation. Cause I'm not going anywhere. I don't have anything else to do, but I'm busy right now. Like I got, I've got five other things I'm supposed to be doing. And you're asking me a question that I don't know where this conversation is going. I appreciate you being curious, but what's the point? So the bridge word that I've found is it's honestly, if there's a magic word, it's not, you know, abracadabra and it's not please and thank you. It's because if you use the word because it's amazing how much it will unlock and put people at ease. So, uh, Steve, I'm asking you uh, about how you came up with that idea to, to put together the um, build your business with podcast book. Brilliant idea, by the way, but I'm asking because and what you put after that, it, it almost doesn't matter. But the fact that you're you're giving them that framework, for me, I would say, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about integrating this and what I'm doing. I want to understand the nuances a little bit more. You provided such great information. I'd just like to know where this came from. That because ties it together in a way that people are much, much more likely to engage with you. It gives them kind of context for how to answer, really. I mean, it makes it easier for them, I think. 100%. Yeah, that's, that's important. So really a lot of what you're advocating is to reach out online. I know we talked about LinkedIn a lot, but it doesn't necessarily happen exclusively with LinkedIn. That's one of the things I love about the online tools. Like if you think about the ways you can have a conversation with people online, I mean, the old one is email, right? That's been around forever. And that when you think about it, that's really a conversational tool. If you think about what you do with your coworkers, all the time or your clients, You're, you have conversations back and forth through email, you know, and I think in, in a sales and marketing setting, if you can use it like that, um, it's valuable. But LinkedIn with the messaging tool, um, I have a love-hate relationship with LinkedIn's messaging tool. Sometimes it's a little chaotic and disorganized, but it's, it's pretty effective as well. So you've got that, you've got text messaging, you've got Facebook and Messenger. I mean, even Twitter is almost become kind of a conversational tool, not maybe a great one, but um, so you've got all these different places where you can engage with people and have these conversations. And I think it's important to think holistically and look at the person you're trying to reach, because there are some people who probably aren't going to respond on LinkedIn. They don't check it. You know, there are going to be some people that, you know, get a thousand messages in their inbox and that's not the best place. So you, you got to sort of be aware of who you're trying to reach out to. Uh, yes. And I would add, I think the way we engage with our friends, the people we care about tends to be multi-channel or cross-channel. So uh, when I meet someone new to show that my genuine interest in them, I want to treat them in, the, in that category, that group of people. So the, the platform itself, it, that's all plumbing to me. I really, I really don't care whether we're on Facebook or LinkedIn, email, those are my three primary channels. And I don't try to be everywhere. I'm not trying to cover all because I think I'd go crazy if I did. But those are the three key ones for me. 
Uh, but I do, if I meet someone on Facebook, one of the first things I'll do is look, you know, copy and paste their name, put it in LinkedIn so I can find them. Because if I'm chatting with them uh, or getting to know them on Facebook, I probably want to see how they're presenting themselves on LinkedIn and I want to connect with them there as well. And the beauty of LinkedIn, whether it's your primary channel or you spend a lot of time there or not, is that you just get this wealth of information, the the, the business background, you know, they, how did they describe their business five years ago, um, you know, their position in the business. And there's just so many things that you can learn that then become great hooks for the conversation as you're getting to know someone. I mean, there are a lot of people that say, meet them on LinkedIn and as quickly as possible, move the conversation somewhere else. I think it depends on the person. I mean, there are some people that, like I have a, a few people that LinkedIn is their preferred communication channel. And I quite often will send a message on more than one. You know, I might send an email and a Facebook message and a LinkedIn and just say, hey, I'm trying to reach you. I really don't know which inbox you prefer, but I'd love to connect with you. And here's why. Yeah, I, th I think that's great. It's very, a very smart approach. So uh, you, you started off saying, you know, the way you make time for this yourself is you've got like an hour a day set aside. And so in that hour a day, paint a picture for folks what that looks like. What kind of activities are you engaging in? Yeah, so I think it always starts with like your list of people. And I don't mean the big email list, but I, I'm thinking of each day there's a list of people that are kind of on my mind. So sometimes it's people that I have some messages waiting for me in one of the inboxes or another. Um, so I'm, I'm jotting their names down as well. That maybe there's someone from last week that I know I need, I'll use my CRM to surface people that I haven't talked to in a few weeks. So there's different ways that the information is coming in, but I'm assembling that in a list. And the reason why is if you don't order your list, if you don't look at it as a, the whole list and sort of think about who's on that list, if you just start with whoever's name is at the top, you're probably going to cost yourself money in the long run because you're having conversations with people who are further away from that that enrollment conversation. Like I'm, I'm saying that I understand you want more people in your program, whatever it is that you offer, you want people to buy your, your programs and services. So you should prioritize the people who are closest to that conversation first and have those in, because you're going to get busy and you're going to meet new people and you don't want to leave the money conversations on the side where you're having all only get to know you conversations. So the first thing I'm going to do is prior, look at the, my sort of list for the day, who do I want to prioritize here and start with the money convert or the closest to the money conversations at the top so that I can really give that my full attention. I don't think that this is a sport you can do seven or eight hours a day, at least the way I'm doing. I would be wrung out like a wet washcloth if I did that, trying to, because I'm genuinely holding that person, I'm getting to know them. I like they, they're holding psychological space with me for a period of time as I'm getting to know them. And that's why it isn't, that's why people say it's not scalable, but the best relationships aren't, you know, mothers and families and things like, you know, we don't, we don't refund relation, real relationships. Um, so I'm thinking about it from that, that angle. And then, uh, you know, as a general rule of thumb, we used to say, try to create 10 conversations a day. That was sort of like a, a measuring stick. That seemed like a, you know, I've had 25 conversations in my hours time. And so it really depends on how much research you need you should not be doing 30 minutes of research with someone before you start the conversation. Like for us, it's, you know, three or four minutes, just get a under a quick 
understanding who they are and what's going on in their world. A little bit longer if you listen to the podcast or whatever, but I'm not listening to everybody's podcast on every outreach. That's that's just not doable and sustainable either. And and the big thing that we talk about in Book of Experts these days is one meaningful introduction every day. Like that's that is my that's my one big domino because I know if I do that, I am positively impacting two other people. It's a triad and, and we know that that you know, the three legs of the stool, the three sides of the pyramid, that's the strongest possible structure you can create. And if you do that consistently day in, day out, um, that's where I'm having the most fun. This is my happy place is meeting people. If they end up in, enrolling in something I'm doing, great. If they don't, that's okay too, because I have, I'm surrounded, I'm in an ecosystem of other experts and I can introduce all day long because every one of us needs something it's not always that we're buying. Sometimes it's just an idea or insight or inspiration, but we all need something on our way to that next level. And that's what we're doing. That's our that's our game that we're playing these days. I love it. So you've got a book coming out. Um, tell everybody about the book and where they'll be able to find it and when it'll be available. Yeah. So the book is, uh, it's called Experts Never Chase. Um, we're launching uh, next week, actually. Uh, the books will be in hand May the 4th, because that's Star Wars Day. It just seems like I've launched a whole bunch of projects on May that's the 4th. Awesome. Um, my company started on May the 4th originally. So um, so that will be the the official, official uh, launch date when it's available on Amazon. And, you know, I think the big idea here is that a lot of your audience, they are subject matter experts. That's hard-won expertise. And it just feels weird to be an expert and have to chase clients. The two don't go, it doesn't psychologically fit together. And so the premise of the book is you really don't have to chase. There's a better process to do this. And when you're chasing, what it feels like for the person on the other side, they also feel that discontinuity. They're like, if you're an expert, why are you chasing me so hard? Maybe you're not the expert. It diminishes our authority in some respects. And then when they do enroll into our program with that diminished authority, they're also less likely to get the results because they're kind of questioning the whole time. So it just undoes what, what we do best. And at the same time, the world needs expert-based entrepreneurs more than ever before right now. Like there's just so many needs around us and they the world needs you in your, uh, they call it your zone of genius, but the, that thing that you do so naturally that other people just kind of marvel at, they need that from you because the change isn't going to come from our government. It's not going to come from these big organizations. It's going to come from the entrepreneurs who are out there moving and shaking the world, creating opportunity for yourselves and for others. So the best way to for that to happen is to facilitate, I think, this is what I feel my mission is, why I'm here is to help facilitate this engagement between experts with other experts and then the wider world of people who need them. That's awesome. I love the message. So where, where can people find more about the book, more about uh, what you guys are doing? What's the best place for them to go? Yeah. So I didn't, uh, first of all, check out bookofexperts.com. So if you are one of these expert-based entrepreneurs, if some of what I shared today felt right to you, uh, please look at that. And the reason why is if this is speaking to you, you probably should be listed there. You should probably should be one of the experts that when people go and search in our search engine, they should be seeing you for your area of expertise. So that that's a resource I would highly encourage anyone to, and you can see we've got over 60 different categories. If you feel like you can hit, you can represent in up to three categories. And if, if one of those is right for you, we'd, we'd love to, and let me help facilitate that if I can. 
um, on Tobin at bookofexperts.com. Uh, we have a website coming for the book. It's not quite ready, so I won't send folks there, but it'll be by that name, expertsneverchase.com. Everything that I shared with you about connecting, conversing, and building real relationships, is that is what I'm doing. So if something here resonated with you, find me on LinkedIn and let's chat. You know, uh, Let me know that you came from the podcast. We'll, we'll both shout out Steve and, and appreciate him for helping to make that connection. And let's actually have a real conversation. doesn't mean we have to jump on the phone. I, I understand you may be busy too, but at least let's exchange information. And if there's something in my world that I think will benefit you, I'll be the first to share it. That's awesome. Tobin Slavin, thank you very much. This has been a lot of fun. Um, I've got notes. I've got like a page and a half of notes here just from what I could scroll down in between running the podcast. So I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to this because I'm sure I missed something. But uh, hey, thanks for sharing your expertise with us today. It's been awesome. Yeah, very much appreciate you, Steve. And, and the whole, the value of everything that you've been putting out for, uh, for, for a long time now, actually. I, I actually, I would have to go back and look at how long uh, the first time I heard your name, uh, Mandy Ellison uh, referenced your uh, book on referrals. So that was the first time I heard about you. Um, but since then, it's you know it's been around the podcasting. It's been around getting your book and, and building your um, authority and sort of establishing that with people so they really get your points of differentiation. Like you have so many hooks out there that I think are really valuable in our space. I've been learning a ton from you. Well, thank you very much. And I'll have to give Mandy a, uh, a note saying thanks for getting us connected. So I'm glad we finally uh, got together on the podcast. Great to see you. And thanks again for being here. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.